Good morning, everyone. You guys can go ahead and be seated. And uh, if you if you are here for the first time in a while, or maybe the first time, we greet you. We're so glad you're here. God bless you. If you are here and you've been here, we greet you and we bless you and we love you. And um, for those of you that have been around this summer, you know that we are in the services or maybe online, you know that we've been talking about relationships. And then Claire kind of got a kick out of this. Then we talked in a creative team meeting about relationships with our relationship with money. And she got a chuckle out of that, said only Scott could come up with talking about relationships and money together. Uh, but I thought it was a great idea. I don't know about any of you, but you're here for the ride. So this is, I think, our fourth week on just this piece of what is a, really a whole summer-long series on relationships. Uh, but we're going to talk about re- our relationship with money today again. If you've missed the last few weeks, you're going to want to check that out because it all kind of ties together, as you'll see. And then next week will be our last week on our relationship with money. And uh, some of you are breathing a sigh of relief. I want to say this. Um, I want to say this about money because uh, whether we like it, and I have said this, whether we like it or not, that's, um, this is just such an important part of our life. It just is. Uh, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about almost anything. It's, it's really amazing when you pay attention, and obviously it's because it's so connected to just our formation spiritually, and it says so much about what's going on internally in us. It, it deals with so many things regarding the motives of our heart and generosity, all kinds of things. So I do want to say this, um, and I, ha- I don't know that I've said this yet during this last few weeks, but when it comes to money, I think the enemy would want us to feel shame. Uh, around our story, because nobody's been perfect. None of us have been perfect when it's come to handling money. Um, but I think we all have a, a longing to be a blessing. I really do. I, I, I mean, everybody I talk to, it's like everybody wants to be more generous. That I, I don't know about you. Um, I mean, there's probably some people that are like Scrooge McDuck, and you know that are are like that. Um, But as we see at the end of the story, I mean, even he wants to be generous, right? It's just God is working in that space. So today, uh, we're going to continue in the scripture that we've been on through this whole series. And we're going to read the whole thing again, if we could. And why don't we stand and read this together, okay? This is such a powerful scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 15. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of us should give what we have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion 
and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen and amen, right? Yeah, you guys can go ahead. Yeah. What a what a what an encouraging scripture, isn't it? So we've been talking about different checkpoints in our relationship with our money. Uh, And we're going to go through a few today, is my hope. And the first one, jumping right in, is that we need to check our register. Check our register. In other words, you need to follow the money. Now, how many of you, you can raise your hand if you want, if you don't want to, no no problem. But how many of you uh, have a budget? You have a budget, raise your hand. No shame if you don't, because I'm going to tell you that I think everybody has a budget. I think we all have a budget. It's just some of us didn't even ever come close to writing it down. Some of us are very meticulous about the written budget that we live by. But at the end of the day, if we just were simple, if we we simply checked our register, we checked our checkbook and our bank statement, we checked our credit card statement, we checked our investment statements, whatever it might be, we would see that our register basically tells us what our budget is at the end of the day, more than something you can scribble down that you learned in the Dave Ramsey class, which I think is awesome. But everybody is functioning by a budget. Some of us just don't really realize it. The encouragement from Scripture would be we need to check where, follow the money, where it's going. Paul says here, do not give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In other words... God's not twisting our arms. God is really, he invites us to pay attention to the way that we utilize the resources that are released in our life. I, several weeks back now, um, maybe a couple of months, my mom passed away and um, one of my responsibilities that she asked me to do was to be the executor of her estate. Um, My parents were pretty simple people. My dad was a steel worker. Um, and uh, later, after he worked in a steel mill for 35 years, McLeod Steel in Downriver, uh, Michigan, um, he worked at Henry Ford Museum for a, about a year and a half, a couple years, cleaning toilets. And uh, my mom, uh, she was mainly at home trying to corral her cats most of uh, her career and then spent some time in the school system as the lunch lady. That was their story. Anyway, so my mom, uh, she passed away a, few, a couple months back, a few months back, and I was going in to finalize the sale of her condominium. And um, as, as I was doing that, I bumped into a friend of ours, mine and Claire's, and we started talking, and we're just going on and on, and she said to me, she said, have you and Claire been traveling? You know, like during this COVID or recently or whatever? I said, yeah, we've been traveling, you know. Just recently, we've traveled a couple times. And she said, where did you go? 
And I'm like, it was fun. I mean, it was, we had a good time. She said, well, do you know where you went? And like, for the life of me, I couldn't remember where I had been. It was like, it was like a real senior moment. I mean, I get the AARP thing sent to me. I would never sign up because I'm just like in denial of any of that stuff. But, but I'm like, I, I really don't know. I know I had a great time. Claire had a great time. We laughed. We, we did a lot. As a matter of fact, we went on two trips and I couldn't remember either location. So anyway, we kind of chuckled about it and I worried about it. I went in. I'm like, gosh, I probably need to see the doctor after I finalize this closing. I wrote it off talking. Don't you just blame everything for COVID? Like, co- that was COVID. Obviously, that's COVID. Anyway, I'm sitting in the lobby waiting to fi- sign these papers, and I'm like, where was I? Where was I? I got I to gotta redeem myself. I finally found out where I was. She had introduced me to her daughter, and I ran back into the store that they were in because uh, I wanted to announce I remembered where I went. And the, and the poor daughter, she was there. She says, my mom's already gone. I said, please tell your mom that we, you know, this is where we went. And we both laughed again. And she thought, that dude's crazy. He's not only absent-minded, he's just crazy. But some of us, that's how it is with our money. It's like, we're having a good time. We're traveling around. We know that stuff's happening, but man, we don't know where we've been. And we're sure not knowing where we're going either, right? Check your register. Pay attention to the goodness that's released in your life because God wants to bless you. So how can we do that? See, we can all be easily overwhelmed by just the immensity of when it comes to uh, resources. But we've already talked about paying attention to where we've come from. And this kind of reiterates that. Check your past. But we also want to be people that are also paying attention to where we want to go. Check your dreams, right? Check you register. And the biggest hurdle most of us have is we just simply have a fear, and the biggest fear we have is we just don't have enough. Our income's not enough, the flow is not enough, the cash flow's not enough. I love this African proverb. It says, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try spending a night in a closed room with a mosquito. So I think we need to make the chunk smaller, right? So I want to encourage you when it comes to checking your registers, we've already talked about paying attention to our past, but pay attention to your dreams. What are you dreaming about when it comes to your financial life? Now that means what are you planning on personally with your own household? And then also in in how do you want to be generous? There's kind of two big components to it. I think first of all that you got to pay attention to the short-term dreams. Those are the dreams that are less than two years out. For some of you, it might be, you know, I want to take a vacation to take my kids to a national park, or I want to move out of an apartment into a house. So these are things, it could be, it could be things that you think are really small or maybe really large, but what are you dreaming about that can happen in the next couple of years because of the money you already have or you know you're going to have in the next couple of years? Then there's the long-term dreams. What are you dreaming about long-term? What are the things that you're hoping to apprehend in the long run, the things that are more than two years out? For instance, it might be, I want to pay my house off. I was talking to somebody recently that said, I want to buy somebody else a house. And I said, well, you know, well, I didn't say this, but I thought you could buy me a house. But anyway, but what a great dream, right? What are you dreaming about 
long-term. And then there's community dreams. There's corporate dreams. There's these dreams that we accomplish combined. And we've experienced that as a church. We've been talking about that. And um, combined dreams we do in community. So there's those aspects of our life. And those things are, those are even bigger dreams, right? Because when we combine what God's doing in us resource-wise, amazing things can happen. Back to my mom for a second. One of the things that she really had a deep desire to do was to leave something for her children and grandchildren after she passed away and great-grandchildren. It was no small issue. When my dad was about 60 years old, the company, that steel mill that he was working for, had gone bankrupt three times. The third bankruptcy was the final blow. My dad had been there for 35 years. He lost all of his pension. He's from the generation that you got a pension, right? So you didn't do IRAs. You didn't do any of that stuff. It was about a year before the third bankruptcy that they invited me in to have a conversation with him about what is an IRA. And it was amazing. In, the spite, in spite of my dad totally losing his pension, they started planning at 60 years old, not knowing what was going to happen next, for paying off their house, which they would ultimately pay off three houses, and leaving something behind. It was a value. It was a long-term dream. And they began to pay attention to it in the midst of what I would say incredible lack. What was awesome was to watch the miracles that God did. Because always remember... When the scripture says God gives seed to the sower, we all know, or we, we should know, that the multiplication and increase only comes from God. We'll get into that more in a second. The second thing is check our flow. Check our flow. This is having the mastery or paying attention to our cash flow. This might be one of the most important pieces. Most small businesses that fail, fail at this level because... They might have a good product, but they don't know how to handle the cash flow. And the same thing happens in our life. How do I handle the money that is flowing into my life? You have an endless flow of money. It may not feel like it, but it is. It just has kept coming, at least your whole adult working life. It's just continued to come. Now, when we check our flow, the scripture says this, God is able, Paul says, to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, you will have all that you need and you will abound in every good work as it is written. They freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. It's beautiful, isn't it? Money in your life and mine is like a river and it flows in the direction of your values and my values. Our river, the river flows in the direction of our values. Now, that river either is, ends up being kind of a dead sea where nothing is living or it is a river of life that is flowing and bringing healing and bringing goodness. It should be lining up. Your money should line up with your values. Is your flow of current sea... A currency of love. Are you loving God with your finances? Are you loving your neighbor with your finances? Are you loving self with your finances? See, if our finances are like a dead sea, all tributaries lead into this lifeless pond or lake or body of water that nothing is growing in. There's no increase. It's, we've already talked about it. It's the mentality of everything that flows into my life is for bread which 
There is bread. It says in the scripture, God provides bread for us to eat, for us to personally take, take care of. But we don't pay attention to the seed piece. It's this mentality of single generational wealth. It's all bread. Dead sea living doesn't bring life. But a river of life when it comes to our finances, it's where that river flows, it brings life. It brings things like healing and increase, encouragement, celebration, restoration, abundant life like Jesus says in John chapter 10. Your resources and mine are to bring abundant life into our lives and into the lives of the people that we so gratefully are able to touch and be a part of their lives as well. The communities we live in, the organizations we're a part of, the churches that we're connected to. Just listen to this scripture, and I know this is not a money scripture at all. But I want you to listen to this scripture. We've already read it, part of it earlier, out of Ezekiel 37. And I want you to put it in terms, thinking about your money. The money that flows from the temple. The resources that God has given you and I to steward over. And this is what the prophet says. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the Dead Sea. When it empties into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever this river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Englum, and there will be places of spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean Sea. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They'll be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kind will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. It's powerful, isn't it? That the, the money that gets released into your life, God's intent, is that it would flow like a river into your life and through your life and bring healing and restoration. It would feed nations. It would educate children. It would help people that have medical needs. It would bring healing and restoration. And lastly, we want to check our math. It's at this place Paul talks about, this is kind of the centerpiece of this scripture. He says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Huh. I don't know a lot about farming, but I know this much. I know that unplanted seed does not multiply. There's one like really main multiplication scripture. There's a lot of them, but there's one really kind of at the core of the gospel multiplication scriptures in the gospels. And it's actually in every gospel. 
And it's the feeding of the 5,000 that this little boy brings his lunch, basically, and offers it up, and it multiplies and feeds more than five. It probably feeds somewhere between fifteen and 20,000 people on that day. And it's textbook when it comes to checking our math and paying attention to our own finances and what God may want to do with us and through us. The first thing that you notice in the story uh, of the feeding of the 5,000, I'll just say, is that the disciples, what they see is a problem. You might remember this part in Mark. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already late, and Jesus sent people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus never missing an opportunity, right? So all the disciples, they, they just, they list it. They list it. Here in Mark, he lists some of the problems. But Jesus takes advantage of the situation to teach us all about multiplication. And where problems are seen by many or maybe even most, Jesus merely sees it as an opportunity, Right? It goes on in Mark and says, When Jesus saw this large crowd, he had compassion on them because they're like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. And then in Luke, it goes on and it says, And he welcomed them and he spoke to them about the kingdom of God and he healed those who needed healing. Check your math. Check your math. Now, there's thousands of people there. I would beg to think that there's a lot more than just that little boy who had something to offer, but he's the one that's got, he's in line with the way Jesus thinks. You ever been around those people? They just always see opportunities. Claire, I love this about Claire. Sometimes I'm like, I can't believe she sees that opportunity because I'm not seeing it right now. A little over 10 years ago, I was in a meeting. Claire and I were in a meeting. It's, uh, we were invited in to be like this uh, brainstorming meeting for the Michigan Human Trafficking Task Force. One of the major universities in, in uh, the state of Michigan was no longer going to be able to be the fiduciary, basically handle the finances w- uh, for the Michigan Human Trafficking Task Force. We're in this meeting and brainstorming, and everybody's like, this is horrible. And then when, when they had been able to handle the resources, it was too bureaucratic. It was like really Really difficult to get stuff done. And Claire said, Crossroads can do that. And I sat in that meeting, those were those meetings like, oh, yeah, Crossroads, yes. Claire always sees opportunities. I've learned though, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. I'm like one of those guys now that I like, uh, I hear things come out sometimes and now I just, just be quiet. Poker face. Just start to figure out what the next step God may have you do besides leave the country. And um, that was the beginning to a beautiful relationship that Crossroads has had with the Michigan Human Trafficking Task Force. Folks, you, yeah. Don't you think it's a great way to spend some money to set captives free, to help prisoners people that have been bound up in enslavement. Sounds like a pretty darn good thing for our church to be tied into, right? But this is it, and Jesus shows this. Don't you love it when God's people see opportunity where others are seeing unleashed problems? Don't you love it when you can see an opportunity? Because, see, this is the place 
that God can do miracles for us. What I also notice here is Jesus doesn't ask for anything more. Jesus doesn't ask them to do the impossible. You kind of get that out of that, but he really doesn't. He just says, what do you have? What do you have? Find out what we have and bring it. He doesn't ask us to do the impossible to have what we have multiply, but he asks us to bring what we have. God will not multiply what you and I do not bring to God to multiply. A seed in a storehouse is a seed in a storehouse, but a seed released into the field is a seed that begins to multiply. It is God. Everyone say this after me. It is God that brings the increase. I want you to think about your own personal finances right now and say it again with me. It is God who brings the increase. So the question for all of us as we head into this week, I want to challenge us with this, is I want you to be with that question. The question that Jesus asked the disciples, and I believe asked us, because I believe God wants to multiply what you have in your hands for God's kingdom work. And I want you to wrestle with or sit with, maybe not wrestle with, just sit with, what do I have and what do I want to hold in front of Jesus for multiplication? And let's see what God might do with that. Remember, it's God who brings the increase. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. So we're going to stand together and we'll just practice that. I don't know, you know, you'd like to hold up your, um, your phone or your, you know, or just write down on a piece of paper something you have. Last night we were um, celebrating Sean's birthday. We celebrated Don's birthday the night before that. I mean, it's been birthday extravaganza. Don turned 50, by the way, just so you know. And... Uh, and Sean, I think he's 100, and um, <laughs> he's younger than me. But anyway, so we, we were together celebrating, and um, Kathleen's like, you know, um, this family, I, she started to talk about a little family she was concerned about. They need their own home. And so she started talking, and she's like, and I think we need to try to figure out how to make sure this family has a home. And... Sean's looking at her, and uh, he's like, "Well, we can't buy you know somebody a house." And she's so she's looking at him, and he's looking at her, and and, and listen. So get around people like this. That's all I want to say. They will challenge you to live in ways that God can do things that you know are impossible with human beings, but God can do it. And start dreaming about it because let me take you back like twenty seven years when Kathleen dreamed about the Haiti school box. And said, what if we start doing little school boxes and maybe we could help with a few, a few things. Well, now Crossroads has educated thousands and thousands of children because of that little school box idea. So your little idea could be just, you know, crazy good. And, and so I just want you to think about what you have, what your one little thing is. Do you have a lunch to bring someone? Do you, what is it? Do you have, what is your seed? And, um... 
and then let God do something miraculous. So together, we're going to hold our phone, if that's where our bank statement is, or, or we'll hold our piece of paper that says, you know, I have some trees I could go plant somewhere, or, or we'll, we'll hold our check register or whatever. But God, we want to be in a relationship with you around what is flowing into our lives so that it can flow out. And nobody can tell us what to do, but you and I can have a conversation about what is mine to do. Yes. Will you say that to God? You and I, God, can have a conversation. You Just say God that about what is mine to do in the world. And it, it might be an idea like a school box project. I have no idea, God, but I want to dream with you. Because I don't want to be a dead sea ever in my life. Some, maybe sometimes in my life I've had a lot of flow and other times I've not been flowing. So God, will you release the ability for us to see what's flowing from your hand through our lives and into the world that you so loved, that you gave? And may we be like you, God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. just be full. Let it swell. Let it grow larger. Let it become a place of praise for God, for what you've given. God, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for the ways that you fed our family through the years. Thank you for the years when we made poverty wages that our friends sent us $100 when they were, they had less than we did. Thank you, God, for the years that um, people shared meals at our table that we had to pray over that you would tenderize the beef because it was cheap meat bought under the green lights at D&D Market, and we had to pray that it wouldn't hurt the people that were eating at our table. Thank you, God, for the days that you woke us up and, and said, you know, pay for that, for that person behind you in the grocery line. Thank you for the days, God, that you opened up the windows of heaven and, and you provided vans. I'm thinking of a couple of people in our church where another family said, hey, we have a van we'd like to give. And that, that, that cars came to people like a, just an open flow. God, thank you for the generosity of the people of God, the, the ways that, that um, Jill and, and Sylvia have handled the finances uh, with Scott for the Michigan Human Trafficking Task Force, and that survivors have had provision, and, 
and God, that even the gifts that have come from the Marshall Community Foundation and other places to help our food pantry. And God, thank you that, 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 that there's been a flow. Can you just say thank you to God for your church community, the way that things have flowed? But, but then thank God for the ways that you have eaten every day, your daily bread, that, that, that you ate. And God, thank you for the chicken and the rice that we feed the children every every day in Haiti while they're at school, that they eat a meal and some of them take the chicken home in their pockets to, to bring to their, their parents so they can make soup at night with every little child who took chicken home. And they had then had soup that night. Thank you, God. And God, we, we do, we, we want to thank you that we were abundantly blessed and we can go through a drive through and, and God, that we were blessed. Thank you that even during times of a pandemic, there, was, there were ways that people helped each other. And that, God, thank you. Thank you that our food pantry never closed. Thank you. 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 So, God, we're just, we want to say it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Store everywhere we go. Bless my friends, God. Let them see themselves as a part of the river of life flowing right from heaven to earth and to people. And every moment, God, let us be aware of opportunities in Jesus' wonderful, beautiful name. Amen. Gosh, we love you guys. Have an awesome week. Amen. Amen.